Boom, we are recording. Um, yeah, go ahead and kick us off, Ezra. Ready? Guys, here we are. This is the, officially the last MandoCast for season two. The series has completed. We have the complete panel from throughout the MandoCast um, joining us today. So it's going to be it's going to be a very uh, I, I imagine there being controversy. I'm going to hope that we disagree with each other on some of our opinions, and uh, I want to see just a really uh, lively debate over what the hell just happened through this season. Um, so I think to kick things off, we have a list of questions here that we want to throw out to the to the panel and get everyone's thoughts on. Me and Ezra are gonna take turns pitching these out. They're pretty softball questions. I think everyone can handle it. But Edward, we're gonna have you up first. Whoa. We're gonna have you up first with a, a good kind of conversation starter. Season two of Mandalorian is done. Yes. Ed, was yes. there anything that you were hoping to see this season that you did not see? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, I had no real I, premonitions about where the show was going. So I, uh, I can't say that I did. It, I think the, uh, the more interesting thing for me was I'd heard all these predictions by all these people that were much more into uh, Rebels and uh, Clone Wars and had all these predictions. And the fact that a lot of those didn't work out was almost more maybe almost a little more happier that that this uh, final thing was actually geared more towards the towards those of us who hadn't seen those shows uh, as much. I was one of those jerks. I was really hoping to see Sabine. I don't know why. So I, I'm a <laughs> fan of Rebels. I'm a fan of, um, actually she was only in Rebels, but I'm, I'm a fan yeah. of all the different animated things. And I, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought when we figured out that, uh, Moff Gideon had the dark saber. Even though I know she handed off the dark saber, I still thought, man, she's going to be part of the storyline. And I didn't see her. Or we didn't see her. So I don't know. I was kind of hoping for that. But I think you make a very good point, Ed, in that I was bringing expectations of other storylines into The Mandalorian. I think it, it seems like they geared that still geared that up for maybe season three though, with all the stuff, right? Uh, yeah. What is it? Thrawn, the, yeah. those mentions. So maybe that'll be next season. Could be, could be. So kicking that question around the room, anyone else, were there expectations that weren't met or you didn't see in Mandalorian? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like if you're a real Star Wars fan, like, your authentic core and core. Like there's arguments with the children that you have about the order of how things should be watched. Oh yeah. And I, I had right this there. argument with my son recently and he was like, no, you started off with the Phantom Menace cause that's the first episode. And I was like, no, you started off with the new hope. But he said, but new hope is four. So I think, yeah. If you started off with Star Wars, where Star Wars were, was just Star Wars, everything kind of works for you because everything that, everything that exists after that is an extension of that original story, if, if you were to think about it in that way. 
So in my mind, I'm feeling like the Mandalorian is just, they haven't written the story yet. Similar to Star Wars. Some of the things that we know that are iconic things, they decided that day while filming, you know? So we can't, there's something about how the story works for Star Wars and things and that. And you get a good group of people together working on something like there's magic to be made. Uh, something's powerful about Star Wars in that way, especially with the Mandalorian, because I can tell they made similar decisions and that might be why it resonates so well with everyone. That's what I feel like. I could be wrong. I, 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 like. I consulted multiple people before I decided what order to show Star Wars to my children. And I chose starting with New Hope. Um, but for them, I think you, you, <laughs> I think you make a great point. I think for them, it would have been less confusing had I started chronologically. They don't care. I mean, it's all old-fashioned filmmaking to them. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that's true. But, but like, I mean, none of I us saw it in one, two, in... and threes to answer some questions in four, five, and six. Right? It's like right. you don't have those questions in four, five, and six. And then some of the lines are geared in, uh, like in three, where they tell them to memory wipe C three PO. That's only funny to people that have seen four, five, and six first. Right. Yes. Oh, Ed, look at you. Mind like a steel trap. <laughs> there you go. That's a good point, right? Because yeah. it, the, everything derives from that place. So, like, if you think about it, everything derives from the original Star Wars. Everything's an extension from that story. You you can't get any of the other stories without that. All the characters that we know and love come out of that one story. So, what do you think, Joe? <laughs> well, what about what's your order, Joe? Yeah, dude, you got to go like original trilogy to set like a precedent and like a tone because that's the backbone that everything kind of comes out of. And none of us started with episode one. And, <laughs> and look at the functioning human beings we've become. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, goddamn, like if you're like, look, if you start your kid off with episode one and you're like, hey, this is the definitive Star Wars and I want this to be your first Star Wars experience. I'm going to call like child protective services. Like, come on. Like you're not a star Wars fan. You got to set, you got to set like, okay, first you watch like episode four and they're like, all right. Like it's kind of like that Darth Vader is kind of cool, but like this dialogue is kind of like, you know, whatever. But then you see episode five and they're like, Oh shit. Awesome. And then you see episode six and they're like, all right, that was pretty fucking cool. And like, then they're into it. And then they see episode one and they're like, Hmm. Okay, that's a different tone shift entirely. But then they see episode two and they're like, oh, there's the Death Star and there's like that weird sexual chemistry between Amidala and Anakin. And then they see episode three and they're like, oh, hell yeah, man. That was such a cool ass episode of like the prequels. That one was awesome. That was the first PG-13 Star Wars where it was like, damn, dude. They had like children getting killed. They had like... Anakin got all like messed up like he got all he got like messed up like take that pretty boy now no one's gonna want to kiss you good I felt all good man that was awesome man you had like Grievous Grievous was cool that that's that's awesome and then you can like what well, I don't know I I personally like did not enjoy like the the sequel trilogy but I like all of like the Disney produced series I liked Clone Wars I like Rebels uh I like um I love the Mandalorian. I like I like the the 
and I think like now that that they're Disney's reprioritizing the importance of Star Wars because I think they realize they can't just put a Star Wars label on something and hand it off. Like people are gonna reject it. If well, it, that's, if it, it seems like that's the what they did to the to the animated series. Like I felt like the animated series wasn't like I've I've been watching all of them recently because I've been trying to like connect all the storylines that they're that are out. You know, and I haven't even I haven't gone to the books yet. But you know, but anyway, I like I, the, the 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 TV series because I, I feel like they have like a real they're they're really doing a lot of good world building with that where everything is interconnected and there are characters and there are roles and 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 there's a precedent that's being set with those uh, uh, episodes. But then like the movies, they just kind of like throw in like the fact that Lando Calrissian killed Aura Singh. And they were just like so offhanded comment of that in the solo movie. It's like, I'm sorry, like, wasn't she supposed to be like this like great bounty hunter that they were kind of building up in episode one and that never happened. And they kind of built it up in in, uh, in Clone Wars. And then like, just to like, just like offhandedly like be used as a throwaway line to show how Lando Calrissian is cool and not show something like that, that would be cool to see. That's like a bummer. Like, why are you going to like, use this character that was established earlier as kind of like this cool character and not even use them aside from a throwaway line. I thought that one was bad. The only, I, the, I liked Rogue One. Rogue One was very good. Yeah, uh, If only for the Darth Vader Rogue scene, but overall, even though, and even Ruben though between on that, yeah, even though between Rogue One and, and this last episode of uh, The Mandalorian, they've, they've completely uh, uh, washed out one of the greatest Star Wars characters of all time, Kyle Katarn, who in the Legends universe was the one who stole the Death Star plans and also was a, a <laughs> Jedi Knight. Uh, and now, he, and he also fought the Dark Troopers. But now, 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 no, now he didn't. Now he didn't. And now, like everyone from Rogue One stole the Death Star plans instead. Interesting. There you go, yeah. listeners, learning new stuff. I did not know that fact. Well, that's good stuff. Well, do we know who we who the spy originally got the spot the plans from, or did they go get the plans? They got it. That was what Rogue One was all about: was procuring the uh, the Death Star plans. Was it procuring or delivering? I don't remember. They got oh. them and then they delivered it. Like it, it literally ends with them handing it off to uh, the ship that Leia was on in Episode Four. Yeah, I gotta watch it again, but it yeah. is really good. It's not. Yeah, I liked it a lot, especially how dark it was you know because it was yeah. like it was like it's like a bummer of an ending oh it's a last scene yeah, yeah. It, best star wars movies are where the bad guys win that those have like the best tones yeah. it's, it's so much fun and like it's like because it, it's like a contrast of of a dark tone with like a, oh because overall it's like when you think star wars is like the happy music the cantina band you know the uplifting yeah. music yoda but like there's like dark stuff in it too and like when they really play into that it's powerful stuff all right, Mumsley, Chilean, you've been you've been quiet. Anything? Uh, same question. Anything that you felt uh, you would have liked to? Have seen? Well, I was gonna touch on Rogue One because you guys are just talking about Rogue One, but Rogue One to me felt like you were like in the trenches, like you were like picking like the soldiers to watch the movie, and all the other ones. It's like okay, you got generals and shit, but um. I was hope, I was hoping to see uh, AT 80s and then some wrangling of them. That would have been fun. But I, I was, I don't know, it restored more Star Wars faith in me. Like, I, I like the path it's heading, so I was happy with everything I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah, and I like that you said that with um, kind of, yeah, like where you think Mandalorian is going to go is, um, I, I guess I'll dive right in there with this one um, for the room too is um, where, where it's going to go. We all know the spoiler ending. I'm curious of is, do you think they're going to do Boba story, Bo Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian and run them together? Or is season three going to be the book of Boba Fett, and then maybe it'll touch on Din. I'm not sure where they're going because they did announce so many things. Um, I don't know. Let's kick that over to Joe. What do you think? Do you think Mandalorian oh, is coming yeah. back with this line, or is Book of Boba Fett going to be Mandalorian? I wouldn't mind if Book of Boba Fett was a, a movie. They could do like a movie or even like a, a, a long, a, 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 that that could be its own sequel trilogy right there. And it could even be something like Boba Fett finding other clone survivors. Cause I mean, it depending on the, if, if they stick to the, uh, the, the Mandalorian timeline, then that's only within like five years. I mean, that, who knows? Like, I mean, like that could even like be a setting book of Boba Fett could take place closer to the uh, sequel trilogy timeline. And that last scene at the end of Mandalorian was just to kind of like set a precedent. And then, you know, we go to, you know, what, 15 years later when the sequel trilogy happens and, you know, Boba Fett's just been building up his, his uh, crime point. empire. I, on I like that because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, well, he just went and took over. He just uh, axed all of Jabba the Hutt's old cronies. Mm -hmm. Like he has no army other than, yeah. um, you know, he has, is it Fennec Shan? He has him and Fennec Shan. Do you need anybody other than Fennec Shan, though? Like, no, you probably don't. No good point. No. Good point. But that's that's a big castle. So that's a very good point. Maybe they come back after he's built some, I don't know, some kind of horse. Otherwise, they're going to just be like too many Mandalores running around season three. Because, you know, like you got right, because like right now, you know, uh, you got Mando with the the dark saber, and you have to deal with all of that, and that also means like all of Mandalore is technically at his command. Um, yeah. So you know, if anything, like they shouldn't focus on Boba Fett. They have to. They, there's so many unresolved issues from you know season two that they they set up so well, and they also have you know the Ahsoka Tano uh, show is is taking place in that universe at the same time. So there's there's plenty that. of space for everything. I heard this that they were supposed to um, have those collide, have Ahsoka Tano, and then Boba Fett, and the and, Mandalorian, and either Mandalorian or Rangers of the New Republic, the other one that got announced. There's a bit. They're supposed to have them like three different uh, shows. are supposed to collide. That's yeah, they're all during the same time period. Yeah, well, like they're the uh, Disney's doing what they did with the Avengers now, and like they're just kind of like you know setting up this whole <laughs> yeah. Star Wars kind of thing. And yeah. like so, like you know, every like there's gonna be like all these winks and nods to other series now, um, yeah. because like that they, they realize like what what works with Marvel, and they're like, okay, well now we just. Gotta... I mean, what if all those what if those three series end up being like the battle for Mandalore at the end? We get a movie where it's like the battle for Mandalore or something like that at the end. That would be something like dope to see, like like uh, like Jin taking on that as a leader of all the Mandalores and he's the rightful leader and like mm -hmm. no one else can oppose him. Cause he has like, he has a saber and he has the, the, the best car spear. spear. So to me, I feel like both of those things like make it so that, that he's the ultimate 
following this is the way and this, that, and the other, like his decision-making is sound, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. People respect him. Like I can see him like hooking up with Bo-Katan, but like not really, you know, cause she looking, she was looking like a wet dog when he, she couldn't take, <laughs> when she couldn't take favor, you know what I mean? Like she was looking kind of moated, homie. Like she really wanted it. She really wanted it, but like your boy won, and she was like, "No, I can't, I can't take this." And then she did kind of give that little side eye, like, "Yo, I might have to fuck this dude." It was there. <laughs> they caught that on camera. That it felt like there was um, internal dialogue happening with Bocaton in that moment. Yeah, because I was making a lot of eye contact. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's and, really and then, great. real talk, what if they had like a rated R version of a Star Wars movie? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it'd be nice if it did. The closest we got was in episode uh, eight when Luke drank that blue titty milk on that <laughs> And I was like, this isn't a Star Wars movie? And like, he just like took that swing and was like, Ugh. And then he looked like, at you like, afterwards. He looked yeah. at the, like, the other person. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, look, it literally took like, you know, four years until The Mandalorian came out on TV to redeem Luke Skywalker after seeing him drink that titty milk. Yeah, but aren't they doing like a thing where I thought I saw something where they're doing a thing like on the old republic? Are they bringing back the old republic where all of this stuff was kind of established, like the Jedi Order and the Sith Order and the Mandalore and all that? Are they doing something well, with that? I, I don't know if that's good. It depends because like a lot of that depended on uh, light speed travel. And then in this new Disney continuity, they've established that light speed travel had only been around for like 5,000 years. And it's uh -huh. like, okay, well, wait a minute. There's all of like this stuff from like way before that. So now like, you know, I mean, it just depends. Like, I mean, let, let, let's be real. Like the end of Rebels ended with time travel. So yep. now that's like a factor. So there could be like multiple divergent timelines wow. for all we know, you know, cause that's what the emperor was trying to get into. At the end that's of Rebels. Like what Marvel did with the multiverse shit. Like, yeah. That's how they unfuck up Spider Man and the X Men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go back in time and alternate universes until everything's cool. So, so Atu, you brought up a really good point. Yeah. About the Dark Saber. And that was yeah. one of our questions. So, let me, let me kick that question over to you. Yeah. What, what is gonna happen with the Dark Saber? Purely speculative because. It was pretty clear. There's no motivation. So let's think about um, Jin. What what he is, Din Din Jardin. He he was he spent his life more or less just being kind of an amoral bounty hunter. Now he has the responsibility of Mandalore with the dark saber, which it seems like he doesn't want it. Um, what do you think? What's going to be happening there? I think it stays with I think it stays with Jin. I think it as, as a character like the dark saber itself is in bad hands if the person is super passionate about having it. That's why Bocotano can't have it, right? That's why it didn't remain with. Wait, uh, but she was on a mission to find it, so she was passionate about getting it, right? right. I feel like if you're obsessed over it, you know, and, and, and this is how I feel about how things work in the, in, in the Star Wars thing. Like, if you're obsessed over it, you don't deserve it, right? Like, uh -huh. like you, you, you don't really deserve to have that power. Like, it, the thing about being a Jedi is you have to be so disciplined 
with 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 the way you think about things and your decision making you have to have that like ultimate discernment like is this for the benefit of all mankind at all times you know whereas like this dark saber like he doesn't want it because he knows it's too much power for him but he's also strong enough to hold it and not trip off of it so that's the whole thing like he has to be the guy yeah and then I feel like he's probably going to have to battle a lot of motherfuckers. Like, I think that's what season three is. Like, people coming after him to get that sword, and he just kind of null and voids everybody. That's what I feel like. Okay. So, and of course, Bocotano's probably going to try and scheme to try and get it herself. Um, and then you got other power players in the, in the, in the Star Wars universe who are going to be like, yo, if I had that sword, like, everything would be cool. Just like um, your boy, I forget his name already, but Moff uh, Gideon. Yeah, Moff Gideon. So, so what's what's the real thing? Like, if it, he's gonna be fighting it off, just like a the champion. That's why I think. That's why I think he's gonna be. He's a champion boxer. He's yeah. Floyd Mayweather. He's basically Floyd Mayweather, right? And he's yeah. fighting people and defending his belts, and no one can beat him because he's just too good. Yeah. He's got the juice, yeah, and he's got the armor, do. and he's got the spear. Yeah, he's full do. Beskar. He's the only full Beskar Mandalore right now. Right. He's just missing the Beskar condom for Bo-Katan, and he's good to go. Yeah. We shouldn't be sexist, though, because would she really require a condom? I think she would want to have that baby. <laughs> she wants that Darksaber, dude. Yeah, They're going to have Jagged Ed singing at their wedding. Hey, uh, listen to that, Internet. We're not talking about rated R Star Wars. We're going straight to triple X. I'm cool with cuddling porn for this one, dude. We don't need to be. <laughs> we, don't need to, we don't need to see. We don't need to see. The right mechanic, when they recapture bro. Mandalore, that's when it's going to get on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> them holding hands in the, in the park. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, we... Speak uh, well. The dark saber. Um, we're kind of speculating on how how Moff Gideon even ended up with it, and I know there's stories out there about it. Um, he stole Matthew, it from somebody. Yeah, we're trying to kind of figure out how how did he get it, and Matthew and I were also kind of debating um, where does Moff Gideon stack up against other uh, villains that have been in the main uh timeline like was he really even that big of a threat is he kind of a pawn like what is uh and and to further expand on that okay if he stole it how is he able to use it because it means he didn't win it in battle um i think first off like have i ever seen any other villain try to kill himself and piss his pants at the side of the jedi or is it just because luke was so powerful i've never just never seen a villain try to pull that off and he's like I, about I, to yeah. shoot himself, and then Caradu goes, Kah! I'm like, probably, probably because he knew that, like, if he failed, like, then he'd have to answer to Thrawn, you know, just like, That'd just like that, that other, uh, just that, like, like that other Imperial back. officer killed himself in that other episode, yeah, yeah. you know, like, they, they, there's like a hierarchy, yeah, and th- that's the same reason, like, you know, TIE fighters followed the Millennium Falcon into that asteroid field. You know, like it, it, they would. It, there's, it's better to die than fail the emperor empire. <laughs> okay. You know, like yeah. e- even if the emperor is not around, which even though in this timeline he technically he probably is at this time. You know, re- regenerating in, in in unknown space. Mm. 
depending on if you if you accept the sequel trilogy as as canon or <laughs> if you're a fan of legends even he's probably still around the one thing that is missing i feel like from the canon in general is like no one talks about who are the power players of like this situation who's who's the military manufacturer that's making the dough <laughs> They brought it up on Han Solo. They brought it up a little bit. Jeff Bezos. But like the elite class is not addressed well, at all. Damn. So I I can I can hit that a little bit. So I'm not not with um the rebellion timeline, um, but in the Clone War timeline, the age of the republic timeline. I'm 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 literally right in the middle of Clone Wars, like middle season three, and there is one episode where the banking system, um, like the leaders of the banks on Coruscant are involved and Padme is like debating them like, wait, how can you be sponsoring both sides? Because you know that the separatists can, are gonna try and destroy the Republic. And then he just took the, he took, he took a side, which I'm gonna pull in from reality, reality. So he just said, um, it's not our, he said, he said something like, it's not our job to pick sides. It's only our, our job to finance um, whatever, finance whatever they need to finance, which is interesting because um, obviously that's how the real world works. I know there was a famous quote from Lincoln where he said, I have the South, I have the South to my front and I have the banks to my back and I don't know which I fear more. Um, yeah. And that, that's, I, I fucked that up. There's probably a fact checker out there, but Lincoln said something along these lines. And so there is a power. And actually it's interesting you brought that up, Atu, because again, I'm kind of crossing streams with different um, worlds, but Game of Thrones really touches on how armies are financed. And, but Star Wars doesn't, but yes, the uh, industrial capacity that's being put forth behind the empire, we need to know who, who is funding that? <laughs> they clearly use a monetary system, right? Because there's Yo, where the money. They always talking about credits, B. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and, and and like I'd be like, yo, where you get credits from, though? Like where, like there's, you know what I'm saying? Like how do you get credits? You know, like why is Beskar worth so much? It is like I was thinking about investing in Beskar, like like is it like Bitcoin? Is it like is it like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I want to know. There we go. Yeah, no, that part, I don't think, other than those that episode I saw, I haven't seen the financiers, but I do think the financiers um, are on Coruscant. And I don't know, I'm sure people- Isn't the emperor in charge of all of it? I mean, he's the one that- Probably. Plot, right? Dang. Yeah, there might be a point that the emperor takes over that banking or whatever you want to call it structure. Wouldn't it be cool if it turned out that the person that was answering Baby Yoda's call was like a young Snoke and it wasn't, he wasn't like all like scarred and messed up. And he was like, oh, I'm Jedi Master Snoke. And he takes <laughs> Baby Yoda and everyone's like, oh, sweet, it all worked out. But we as the audience are like, wait a minute, that's, that's wait a minute, you know? And then like that finally means like Disney is like, hey, look, I know there's a lot of unanswered questions in the sequel trilogy but we're going to slowly untangle this just like they did with the prequel trilogy and make everything good with like extra TV shows and extra continuity and just kind of patch it all up and, and make it a good solid timeline that everyone has content that they enjoy. And that would also be like, okay, well, now baby Yoda is definitely going to die because it's like, you know, 
the, the puppet of the emperor or the emperor reborn, depending on how you look at that one throwaway scene with those body parts in a back to tank in episode nine. Like, come on, yeah. Disney, you're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Give us a full storyline. What's up with that stuff? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, so you bring up a good point. Um, we know that, <laughs> so Ed, I'm going to throw this next question your way. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, Grogu's blood was taken. Yeah. Do you think it was, um, so we're assuming that they took over that uh, destroyer or whatever they were on for this last episode. Um, was was his blood exfiltrated? And if so, how do you think they're, obviously they initially probably wanted to clone it or use it in their clones or something like that. Um, what do you think's going on there? I was so confused about all that stuff. I assumed that they used the blood on those green bodies you saw in that. Were those the dark troopers or were those that, were they using the blood, gonna be using the blood for those things that were floating in the green water? That's Ooh. what I assumed. But I could be completely uh, wrong. You know what I think that that blood was for? Uh. The Knights of Ren which was like why they were like kind of force sensitive, but they weren't straight up Jedi. I think like they're using that to find force sensitivity and midi-chlorians, which for whatever reason, Ahsoka Tano never brought up when she was discussing the force with with uh, Mando. Like you kept saying like the force, like she was using like the, the original trilogy, Obi-Wan Kenobi way of describing the force as this thing that binds us and connects us, not Qui-Gon Jinn explaining on a biological cellular level that yeah. midichlorians are are a, a small microorganism within our blood that's a good it's point. both yeah so also i feel like i would agree with joe as well and then i also feel like those little floaty things might have been like them separating the midichlorians and then like kind of trying to grow them you know like, oh like yeah, they're trying to grow them or like make, you know how they like make steroids or something like, you mm -hmm. know, make them bigger, make them stronger, da, da, da. And I also feel like maybe Moff Gideon was like trying to up his metachlorian content so he can have that power. So oh, he can, yeah. so I also was thinking like maybe he could do that. And then like the the, the process was like, he, he's building up his metachlorian con content so he can take on Lord Thawne. Well, that, that could even be like, you know, them trying to learn how to manipulate and clone force-sensitive tissue. And this could also still be like part of like Paul Patine's plan of, you know, I'm not, he's like dead. So he could just be like floating around in like, you know, the ether right now until it's like, we got to make sure you guys know how to create a clone body that can stay. And that's why in episode nine, when he finally reappeared, he's like, this is like the best I can do. And my body is like falling apart. I need to, you know, move my consciousness mm -hmm. into my granddaughter, who apparently maybe that's what was it the, was. Yeah, maybe that blood was for, for the, for the Senator Palpatine for him to survive the fall or whatever it was. Like maybe that blood was intended to be used for that shit too. That that's the thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe's he's connecting a lot of dots every time we get together. The picture becomes much more clear. 
So yeah, I was yeah, I was definitely thinking the blood is somehow comes back to first order and seven, eight, and nine, but I just wasn't sure how it it's all connected. And we got a lot of time between Mandalorian and those seven, eight, and nine movies. So I I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff that Disney's working on that's gonna take place between um those you know, like what happened to Darth Maul? He died. Yeah, he, he got, died on I, Tatooine. Not Apollon dead. Hmm? He didn't die he a second killed time. In Rebels? Yeah, he did. He died he at the end of Rebels, Rebels when he confronted Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. That was the yeah. That it was a very dramatic power. Uh, Darth Maul tried to kill Kenobi using the same method that he killed Qui Gon Jinn, but this time Kenobi was able to counterpoint it. It was a really short battle. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. It's very good. It's okay, very maybe very I'm, good. I'm watching Rebels now, so I think I missed that. I haven't Oops. gotten there yet. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> Sorry, his pistachios are great. Pistachio, that's the Cadillac of nuts. Good choice. I thought cashews were. Or it's like a cashews the Lexus. Uh, yeah, you know what? Cashews, you're right. Cashews oh, are pretty good. What about macadamia nuts? Those are expensive. Yeah, macadamia nuts cost more. Oh, my God. Uh, I think we have a off podcast. Which <laughs> is the best nut? I can tell you what is, but this is what yeah, it is. <laughs> it is an X-ray podcast, he said. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Ezra, you got another one you want to fire? Well, you want- I, we know we're talking about um kind of what goes on in, in a seven, eight, and nine. Um this is all just speculation. Um where is Grogu during seven, eight, and nine? And are we gonna is he gonna pop in at the end of because everybody's like oh look kylo ren kills him and yeah. like that keeps flying all over way too many conversation threads and i'm like what really happens to him and is he gonna pop up in 10 because they are producing 10 also what? they're writing it um i think they have i i don't know <laughs> uh, they just, they just, they just don't they know when to leave it be they just can't let <laughs> us no, be they happy. don't they don't <laughs> Well, I thought I thought ten was supposed to be like a whole new thing, like way in the future after that. You know, that's what I heard too. But um, they, I think the statement said that it's not going to feature any of the old like heroes. So mm-hmm. is Grogu taking all new hero? heroes? Hmm. That yeah, would he's old suck, enough. He dude. could be in his species lives long enough to where he could pop up later on. <clears> yeah. yeah. So That'd is that what that like, like yeah. pilot movie is about that that lady's directing? They oh, just the Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Oh, Rogue, Rogue, uh, when does Rogue Squadron take place? Because that's like supposed to be like a whole new thing, right? Yeah, right. There's that's a storyline in the old video game. I'm trying to think what the story was even. Um, for Rogue. it was uh, when they had to go and destroy the Emperor Empire's uh, world destroyers. Uh, with the Emperor had his clone body, and it was um, fucking what's his name? Rogue. It was a. Uh, it wasn't. It was after uh, Luke Skywalker, the guy who did the Death Star trench run with Luke, and had to pull out. Wedge Antilles. Up, yeah, Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles ended up leading the uh, the charge on the world destroyers. That's what. So it takes place like a, immediately after Episode Six. Hmm. If it if they we're going by like the Legends continuity. Hmm. Yeah, Wedge was in like the new series too. The new the sequel. We just for like a hot second, and he was all old and shit. 
he is don't they kill him off finally or something no i don't think so maybe probably dude yeah they were like oh yeah we kill a beloved star wars character and they kill wedge antilles and they just tease us about killing chewbacca even though he died in the books and everyone like made peace with the fact that he was dead <laughs> whatever <laughs> it, it sucks it sucks yeah because some of the stuff like yeah is, some of the stuff is clearly not going to match up because they're going to do what's good for TV anyway, right? We all know that. But now, like, Shadows of the Empire isn't even in continuity. And it's like that Dash Renzar from Zizor. Yeah, I played the shit out of that game, dude. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. An entire generation did. And we're supposed to say they're not our heroes anymore. I say not. That's what I was saying, man. It sucks. Like, yeah, it's cool they brought in, like, the the Dark Troopers. But Kyle Katarn messed up the Dark Troopers, man. And now, like, no no more Kyle Katarn. We'll never see him on Luke Skywalker's new Jedi Council. <laughs> Damn, you know there's going to be like some fucking scene in that new Ahsoka series where she meets Luke Skywalker and like makes amends with like, and she's all fucking crying and shit, dude. You know that's going to happen. They're going to give us that scene. And they're going to be like, it's the most powerful scene in Star Wars history right now. And they're going to get Hayden Christensen to play like Anakin. And, and Rosaria Dawson's going to play like Ahsoka. And they're going to fucking cry. And he's going to, oh, he's going to call her Snips. They're going to call, oh, dude, that's what's going to happen. I'm calling that right now. Timestamp this. That's going to well, happen. Got, Hayden they got, Christensen. They got James Earl Jones, like, put down tracks already. Yeah, well, like, and then they're going to have, like, and then, like, yeah, and then it'll take off the helmet, and it'll be, like, you know, uh, Hayden Christian. He'll be like, I'm not that person anymore. No, Dar- no, Luke Skywalker killed Darth Vader. It'll be, like, some shit like that, dude. Oh, my God. Absolutely, dude. But let's be real. Like, the thing that's on all of our minds, now that they have this de-aging technology, that both Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill have used. When are they going to give us that episode of Star Wars where Luke and Leia hook up before they know they're <laughs> brother and sister? <laughs> be a weird Did you know that happened? That the had to have technology you're gonna you're gonna kiss Luke Skywalker on the mouth like that. On Kylo home. Ren is that baby of them two. Yeah, though. that's why Kylo <laughs> Ren's evil, and that's why he was able to kill Han because he's like, "You're not my dad. I know you're not." And that's why he hated Luke Skywalker because he was like, Daddy, why'd you try to kill me? And it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. From now on, Kylo Ren is like the 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 the, the weird ass child. And that makes sense. That's very like out of mythology, you know, like yeah. incest babies are always trying to kill their parents and are naturally evil. <laughs> Much like in real life, man. Yeah. So I'm talking about something that I comes from, you know. Yeah. I, I, you touched on something, Joe, there about dark troopers. You touched on a lot. He touched on a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could probably do a podcast on it on all of those points alone. The dark troopers, the scene, I guess there were multiple scenes with the dark troopers. Were they too strong, too soft, just right? Anyone have opinion on it? I feel like, well, you know, I'll keep my opinion to myself. So let me, let me kick that, let me kick it over to you to Ed. <laughs> I haven't gotten in in a minute. What was your opinion on those scenes? Uh, I thought they were just right because, I mean, he, um, the Mandalorian could handle one, but you could tell that if it had been two, he would have been in real trouble. Yeah. And then it was awesome, right, when Luke comes in and just murders them, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a piece of cake for him. So that's, 
I, I made out of aluminum foil or something. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he just you know, ripped right through them. So that I thought that was sort of cool. Just I, to yeah. show how powerful he was. I'm just, you know, obviously uh, a, a dumb, dumb fan. But I was like, Luke is cutting through these guys a little too quickly and a, too, a little too fast, too easily. But then I realized, okay, well, we're on the clock. We got to make the scene work. Things are happening. But it felt like for a season of buildup, they got chopped up pretty quick. I like that though, because I think like it shows it. like how powerful Luke Skywalker. Like at that point, like it's like he's a Jedi master, you know, and he's he's establishing the Jedi Order. So I think it was cool. Like I think like you know by having the Dark Trooper fight Mando, it showed like whoa, these guys don't mess around. Uh, and then like when Mando launched them into space, it was like oh that was kind of funny. And like you almost feel like ugh, anticlimactic, you know. I was looking forward to this, but then like the twist when they all land, when you find out they all have jetpacks right. and land on the spaceship, which is also like a wink and a nod to, you know, episode nine yes. when Finn yells out, they have jetpacks now? Like they were like testing it out. So yeah, they do have jetpacks now. Uh, I thought that was that, that was great. And then like for Luke Skywalker tour, you, you should have known it was Luke Skywalker when like the X-Wing shows up, you know, like there's only one Jedi Knight that rides around on an X-Wing. And then I, I like that he dispatched them so easy. It wasn't that they were, it was necessarily like that it was like easy. It was just that he was so experienced and so powerful at that point. He was like a light side equivalent of And they weren't designed to be, to withstand like lightsaber right. and, and all that. They were, right. they didn't Her, have yeah. very much experience with Jedi proofing their, you know, at this point one. like it's still like yeah it's still like the point where like the jedi and sith are, are kind of like myth at that point since you know palpatine had still purged most of it and, and you know the way the new jedi order had to be fully established all like, suck oh, the yeah, life out of that last one and it's actually uh he probably enjoyed doing that because it's against jedi code to uh crush living things that's why they you never see them crush anything although mace windu did crush uh, General Grievous, and that's why he has that like breathing technique, but it's like, usually against Jedi code for them to crush living things. So oh. he's like, robot, fuck yeah. Luke Skywalker <laughs> choked out those pig guards in Jabba's palace. And yeah, he does, six. the Gamar. Yeah, yeah and, and, that's and, a choke, but this is like a crush, like a full body, turning you into Well, you say bench. potato, I say potato. It's against Jedi code to use the force in anger. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, I, I think Grogu's dead. Long live baby. And there, there, there should be like an, an extended scene in episode eight where uh, Yoda and Luke are like Yoda's force ghost in like the burning, uh, that burning place. And then like, just like a scene like uh, Luke is like, hey, I met that, I met that, you met your son or something like that. Some little throwaway. And you're just like, mm. <laughs> Very handsy I was. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow. I did not. Sack and he has a giant yeah. dong just like swinging yeah. it, slinging dick the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> dispel his cuteness. So I, I think it's a clone. Like a I, st I still think, I still think uh, Grogu's a clone. You think so? A clone of, <laughs> clone of Yoda? No, or Yadel. I mean, like, I mean, that, that, that remember uh, in episode yeah. one, there was that, uh, there was another force sensitive uh, Yoda type Council, person. And then they disappeared in episode two. Yeah. I mean, well, like, the guy that was, that originally had uh, Grogu, he was, he was a part of like, even the Camino scientists. 
So like they're they're clearly trying to do something with with uh, studying force sensitivity and and cloning tissue, and I, I think it all ties back to Palpatine. I think uh, I, I think that's what it's it's really working towards, and I think I think what we're going to see is like I think we're going to see like a semi alive Palpatine, or you know his consciousness is like in non force sensitive bodies, so he's like he's wearing them out. And that's why they're desperately trying to figure out the cloning process so he can be in a body that's strong enough to sustain his his force sensitivity. Mm. That's my guess. That makes you no, know, I didn't I didn't mind how strong the dark uh, the uh, the super soldiers were or whatever they're called, but the scientists just giving up everything in terms of where everything's laid out in the ship. <laughs> He's like, all right, like, here, take my keys. Well, yeah. he established in season one that he really was on the fence anyway. Like, the scientist was on the fence the whole time about the baby. You know what I mean? Like, he, like, the whole time he was like, I don't want to hurt the kid. He's and, reluctant. Uh, like, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like the scientist was really like, he, it seems like there's, he's enslaved. That's what I feel like. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah, like so you know what my favorite, and then all of a sudden he got the job, and he realized what it was, and he just kept going with it. No, insurance. He's a medical officer. He's like <laughs> choice, especially with all those fools getting died and died and wounded by Jedi. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just there to save lives and be a doctor. I don't know. One of, uh, one of, one of my favorite characters, and like they, they'll never be able to use them again, but uh, the Imperial officer that was interacting with uh, Bill Burr and Mando, uh, oh. who had like that thick American accent. That was like the first time yeah, an Imperial yeah. officer didn't have like a British accent. Mm -hmm. And it was so good. That scene was so good. That was straight out of a Western. Even the way yeah. he was talking, his drawl and everything. Yeah. I was like, the, oh. the tension. I, I loved. I loved that draw. I was like, it was so good because he was just so creep. Like the subtle creepiness of it, and and the overall tension. It was like it was like something in a Tarantino film or something. It the way it was Stephen like, Miller. Yeah, Miller, yeah. Miller, yeah. The, I I love that cool. scene. That was pretty cool because yeah, because all of a sudden, they start talking shit on Al Alderaan. And and then he goes, what about all those people you killed on those Death Stars and shit? And he turns it back on her. So it's like, hmm. Well, I like that it showed that the uh, Empire viewed the Rebellion as like this splinter terrorist organization. And, you know, that was like the, pro that was like what the Empire believed. And it was like what, uh, it was like uh, Anakin in episode three, where it's like, oh, well, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. And it's like, yeah, it's all about from and like, oh, and uh, Ben, all these movies are about a particular point of view because then, like, you know, Luke was like, why didn't you tell me Leia was my sister before I had sex with her? And and uh, and then like, <laughs> Obi Wan was like, I kind of did from a personal point of view, like from a personal point, of view, where the incest baby is going to kill all of us now, you know, and then ruin the franchise. <laughs> I don't think Leia's not like that. I think Leia's a little more discerning. <laughs> I don't think she's just giving it up that she just meets. You know what Come I mean? Come on, dude. <laughs> she she her her mom. No, she gave she like if she was gonna give it up to somebody she just met, Han's the guy, right? Like No, there's like all these like reports of, of like people that have like never met a strange family and then like when they meet for the first time they have sex. This had oh. to have happened in Star Wars. I don't know, dude. I don't. Let me, it's it's it there. Me Trust me. Trust me. It's gonna happen. I've already submitted the script to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to the to Luke. Luke, though, 
I think <laughs> to me, Luke coming in and, and thrashing that place about like just like Joe said, like it, it is it it was about how powerful he was. And you have to understand, like, the most powerful clan is the Skywalker Skywalker clan. You know what I mean? They have the most, they have the off the chart readings of the Metachlorian content. Like if 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 he has even like a tenth of the power of his dad, like you know what I'm saying? Like he's still far superior to most other Jedi. Yeah. So, so that's, I, that's you you touched both of you already touched on another question we had one about prior to the episode. What was did you how badass did you think Luke Skywalker was? Because I mean I knew uh, he was badass, but when we leave him in Return of the Jedi, I kind of feel like we have a journeyman, not a master almost a journeyman Jedi. But then when he comes in to this one, my God, it's like his head, you just, every step he's slicing up a, a dark trooper to where you go, oh my God, he's, so I guess, I guess for Joe and Atu, you feel like, yes, he is this badass at this point in the Star Wars timeline. Yeah. I, I like, I, cause um, also like if you watch, you know, the way Luke was moving on like, you know, the videos and everything was, it was very methodic. He wasn't like, rushing all it wasn't like in you know episode one when obi-wan and qui-gon were going through the corridor just slashing down droids all over the place and using like force speed and for he was like just moving it was it was like uh it was like obi-wan kenobi in the death star where he was just moving with purpose he was he didn't need to like expel unnecessary energy he was calm he was collected and you know he moved he moved his lightsaber in just the amount of way number of ways to you know destroy the enemy it wasn't it wasn't all like you know it wasn't like a bunch of showmanship it was Show just up. getting the job done as well, quickly and, and, possible. And, yeah. and plus that was how they choreographed fights in 1970 78 too <laughs> that helps too yeah <laughs> alec guinness being 87 you know yeah yeah, yeah. you know Wait, funny... question? Yeah. go ahead go ahead atu repeat the question oh i i was saying um Prior to this episode of him killing all those dark troopers so quickly, did you assume he was this much of a badass? Because I was still seeing him kind of in the view. In this timeline, I was looking at him as, well, at the end of Return of the Jedi, he was definitely coming into his own. But I would still, if I had to rank him as Jedi, it felt like he was journeyman. But definitely, <laughs> in last week's episode, that was a master Jedi walking in, you know, his heart was beating at whatever, 60 beats per minute. He was cool. Like Joe just said, he was methodically, slowly slicing things up. So I have a question because, you know, remember when Sokotano was like, go over there and then wait for the Jedi Master to come and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Listening, they'll find you, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I think Sokotano knew that it was Luke, right? Good but, point. I didn't even think about this yet. Right, right. But I also feel like Ahsoka Tano probably just got done being trained by Luke. Does that make any sense? Uh, that kind of makes sense, yeah, because I can see him, like, kind of how Matthew said that he was going from a journeyman. Now he looks more of a master. Like, he's right. looking for more students to grow the population of Jedi. So, yeah, yeah. Like, he trained her. Yeah. I, I, I would think like where he yeah. could go to kind of do that whole thing. So maybe she did that same journey and got trained by Luke and then she was kind of done and she's like on her own path. You know, I, I think Luke sought her out and then she, she, she probably was like, I don't want to train, 
you know, and like they probably like made amends at some point, um, and they'll go, probably go into it. But I, I think if at any point, you know, there's going to be like an offer for him to like train her or her, for her to train him, who knows, you know, or at least for like a better understanding. And and she's probably going to refuse the same way she refused to train Grogu, and like it's just like you know she probably is probably completely dis. It's interesting that she hasn't cut herself off from the Force like Luke did in Episode Eight, just dealing with like how disillusioned she was, especially at the end of you know her final scenes in Clone Wars and and Rebels, you know, yeah. um, both ending on kind of a downer for her character. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm surprised she hasn't already. So. I hope I hope they go into that on her series. Why she hasn't necessarily cut herself off from the force, but also why she's not really doing anything to further it along. Well, she also has like sure sabers were built. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. she had full sabers. They were white. Yep. The colors too. So like to me, the like white is the most virtuous of of all the colors. You know what I mean? So. I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like Ahsoka Tano, there is definitely a lot more going on there. And, and I like whatever extension to the Mandalorian that that's gonna come out of. You know, Rosario Dawson is an excellent actress and all that comes with it, you know what I mean? Like she was in Kids, like that was a hard movie to be in. Yeah. So she's gonna bring a lot of depth and, and, and great stuff to it. And, um, I just hope they cast Ed Norton in some character because that'll be dope to get the cast from 25th Hour in it too. <laughs> it's lit. Um, you're going to say something, Ed? Go for it. Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say, uh, I was surprised in terms of when I watched the, the episode, how I was almost more, there was something about it that made me almost happier when R2-D2 popped into the scene. That's really the part oh, I wasn't yeah. for some reason I wasn't thinking about that he was coming along as part of the Luke package and so that yeah. was the surprise and it was it was there was something that was heartwarming about seeing that I feel like yeah because R2-D2 felt real because there's something like even though like the, the de-aging technology has gotten incredibly good there's still something slightly uncanny valley about it where it still just looks just a little bit off. Like, it's like, okay, I know that looks exactly like young Luke Skywalker. It looks very realistic, but not quite. Like there's still something like almost like subliminal about looking at it where you, you know it's not entirely real. But when R2-D2 came out and it whistled and it was like, that's that was like a real R2-D2. R2-D2 felt more real in that than, than Luke at that. It just, Luke felt fake but r2d2 will always feel like <laughs> look like look like he had a little botox done and shit yeah exactly <laughs> like, uh, yeah well like and he was still like yeah he was still like super stoic and like it's like luke was still like you know in episode five you know when he saw yoda for the first time he wasn't like you know he, he was like oh hi you know it was always like patient and kind of calm and cool like in this one he, he just seemed like a little cold a little off and uh, it, it, it's it's like okay, I guess like they're kind of showing that Luke's stepping away from the aw shucks farm boy and is, <laughs> is coming into his role as a, a stoic Jedi master. But I don't think he should be so far gone that he wouldn't, you know, initially be like like some kind of like oh hello there kind of to, you know, gr kind of something. But he just seemed like all like all right, well, I'll take this guy. 
you'll stay at my academy. It's like, damn, dude, be like a little bit pumped that you found this guy who looks like a baby version of your master. Like, come on. Like, you want to be like, hey, what's it? I know what you look like. Like, everyone else was like that. Luke Skywalker is the only motherfucker in the entire galaxy that was unfazed by Baby Yoda's cuteness. Come on. You're not even going to address that he looks like your baby master. You're just going to be like, I can train him. And then just leave this fucking piece out react dude come on like he didn't he could, he could not have cared less where's the coochie coochie coo yeah, like, well, how could you not pinch those little cheeks amy sedaris pinched his off, cheeks too. even moff gideon thought he was cute i mean come on yeah yeah well, that kind of i miss what you i miss what you were saying there what oh, oh go ahead well yeah. i was saying like i thought it was weird the way that he, Luke even picked up the baby and was walking away with the, you know what I mean? Like, real stiff. The way he was carrying him, like, it looked a little kind of like, oh, I have this baby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I was online and, like, apparently they had, like, a, you know, they had, like, Mark Hamill, like, got his, like, face scan and everything and they made it look young, but it was a, an actor portraying uh, Luke Scott. It's like, why don't they just have Mark Hamill come in? and you know shoot some things at least like kind of get like the, i'm sure it was like more expensive but i bet he would do it and it's a disney thing they have so much money you know like just throw them in there mark hamill is like eager to you know redeem luke skywalker i'm sure and you know if the project is right he's not going to turn his back on like the fans and he was like you could tell how proud he was of this you know if you go on his twitter you see like he's like super pumped about being on the show and you know getting like luke some redemption which he you know his character unfortunately needs very much right now did he do, did he do um voice for it <clears throat> yeah. yeah in the credits it says that he did does the voice cool well since i gotta i'm gonna reel her in on this one is uh what i'm gonna say our resident yoda baby yoda fangirl slash fanboy um and everyone can chime in it was this too um does din I'll, I'll build it around this um you'd have to be just living under a rock to not even acknowledge the the marketing and the like hey like look how marketable um and just the the cop the um feeling of the chemistry between din and grogu now that they are separated and i'll let you chime in first is um does that diminish their relationship or your desire to see what happens to each character now that they're separated and that there's a little bit of completion to it and the feeling that maybe they may or may not be back together. That's very true. Well, real quick, because um, I don't want to, I don't want to start a new topic without finishing off on the topic. I think as far as Mark Hamill coming in and looking a little off, I think they used the wrong version of him. It looked to me, when I first saw it more like an episode four Mark Hamill and not an episode six Mark Hamill. Like he didn't go, Ooh. he wasn't quite haggard enough. It yeah. didn't look like he'd been through the, pro the process that he had been through in all of the movies leading up to that uh, point in the timeline. So for me, that's kind of what it was, was. He looked a little too fresh. He didn't look like he had, you know, battled and gone through all these hardships and things like that. Um, and that's why to me, it looked a little strange, but yeah, as far as as far as them separating my baby from his daddy Lorian, my baby, yeah, one one of my children, <laughs> one, one of the like five or six of them that I have now, 
Um, <laughs> I think we all, yeah, I, I, there's, there's more coming. Yeah, I, I'm crazy. Um, I think we all kind of knew there was an option. There was a possibility that they would take the story in that direction and separate Mando from Grogu. Um, they hinted at it, you know, obviously in the Ahsoka episode that he was probably going to need to be passed on to whatever Jedi he reached out to and that they were going to train him. But I don't think that necessarily diminishes the appeal of their dynamic as like a, a, a clan of two. It's so sad. It, it was really sad to see them separate, but I'm still going to buy whatever merch comes out. I don't know about everybody else. I'm waiting to see what new merch is coming out. <coughs> I feel like they could have had a little more come out for Christmas, unlike what they did last year, which pissed me off <laughs> to no end. I, I'm going to say, I, as far as like we asked the question at the beginning of the podcast about is Mandalorian now the book of Boba Fett or is Mandalorian still following Din? And I, I'm going to say the fact that he has the dark saber makes it compelling again. But if he didn't have the dark saber, then he's just going to go back to probably being a bounty hunter, which is awesome. And I and I'm interested in that, but I don't know that it has the same um, appeal of this guy trying to find this special child. It it's home. So it gave him more of a purpose. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a deeper purpose, and it's touched on throughout season one and season two about how important it is for him to take this foundling. And really, the only options were either find it its home, or then it's Grogu's tr truly a foundling. And then what do we have? Do we have a Grogu Mandalorian? Like that would be sick, but obviously that storyline has been dipped off. So um, I think because of the dark saber, it's still very compelling. And then of course, whatever happens with Grogu, I'm on board. If they do another storyline with him or if he weaves his way back in somehow in the timeline, then hell yeah, I'm there. I wouldn't mind like if they did like an animated series of, uh, where it's like Luke Skywalker's new Jedi Academy there we and go. it's it's sort of like it kind of like you know it's like a, a 10 year series where it's like young Ben Solo you know being trained with Luke Skywalker and you know you get like a plethora of you know Jedi coming in maybe Ahsoka Tano shows up eventually or begrudgingly uh, to, to you know help out or show up uh, and then you can just kind of like you know kind of set the seeds and you know kind of use that to have stronger ties of the new disney continuity as well as you know the original trilogy as well as the prequels kind of tie all of that together maybe luke skywalker establishing a new uh jedi order on coruscant something like that um even though i think his jedi temple was based elsewhere in the new trilogy um but regardless there, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there Especially with like, you know, if they're going to incorporate Grand Admiral Thrawn and, and if he's still around and kicking in this new continuity, that's definitely worth getting into. Yeah. Yeah. I know this isn't the, uh, the future, but I did want to point out, and I don't know what happened to the third Mandalorian, but it was pretty cool that at one point it was an all female fighting force ripping through that spaceship, right? Yeah. Waiting for Mandalorian to do his thing, but little girl power. Meantime, I that's actually Ed, Edward. Thank you. I'm throwing this question over to you. 
Uh, nice segue. It's like you saw our questions ahead of time. So I, do... oh, go ahead. I, well, <laughs> Matthew wasn't sure how to word this because he's such a gentleman, but I'll ask it the way that a, a normal ass dude would ask. And I'm next to my wife. Um, we know like through herodom, it's always like all oh, the guys, the hero and all that. But like in the MCU, the girl power moments are like super forced. He and I were talking about this earlier, like the girl power moment at the end of Endgame. They're like, oh, how about now? But <laughs> this yeah. of the females coming together was super organic. And you don't even think for a second, they're just women. You just think, oh, they're just badasses, regardless of gender. Um, and who you <laughs> who you think of the four, like maybe if you're a woman, I don't know, like which of those female characters was the most like, yeah, like she was a just bam, she was powerful. She she just owned everything. Just which of those four in the squad was and we'll go around to everybody on this one. Vocal Dina Carano. I want her to punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ditto. I want her to punch all of us in the face. That tattoo that she has right here is so fucking. I want it. Dude, I bet everyone's going to have like that little Alderaan tattoo, man. <laughs> we, both, we both holler her name in bed. <laughs> We're like, Kara Dune. I have the figure up on the bed. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Um, what's the lady's name? What's the lady's name of the the person that is um Boca Tano's like side type Cosca Reeves? Cosca Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, Banks. Banks character. Yeah. Yeah. I like petite powerhouses. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was nice seeing her doing them wrestling moves on Boba Fett. I'm not gonna Real talk. The little Scarlet Jojo right there. She's like flying DDT, kabam, and like with the belt, like she used the yeah. rocket pack as a little propulsion, real quick, just for a split second. Yeah, that reminds me of the first time I saw Scarlet Jojo, in the, uh, where she played Black Widow, where she took on all those guards in the in the hallway. Oh, yeah. Signature move. Yeah, dude. I all I wanted was some legs wrapped around my neck, bro. Like, <laughs> get it? Yeah. So, so that that was the question we were wondering. You know, Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, Fennec Shan, Koska Reeves, and each one of these characters, um, there is a reason and a rationale. Oh, sorry. My, my oh, yeah, everyone's all mad. You turn up. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Hold on. So, guys, I had a technical difficulty in the midst of. Um... Is it better now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. I had a technical difficulty right in the middle, and I, I are like two, five minutes ago or so. But we're good. We're still recording. Everything's fine. Anyway, um, so you have Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, Fennec Shan, Koska Reeves, and I just really. You know, again, I love how this series was written, but with regards to all of these characters, there is a rationale and a backstory to why they are so badass. And every scene that they're in, that they're holding it down, I'm just like, that's right, because we see Fennec Shan, she's a sharpshooter. And every time she she takes control of a scene, it's with her sharpshooting, right? Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves, they're Mandalorians. Mandalorians, that's like the Spartan civilization. Everyone is trained to fight. Everyone is trained to kill. And guess what? You're, you're very mechanical like Batman. You have all your devices, and that's why they can kick ass. Cara Dune, drop trooper, super badass. So for me, I can't, I can't necessarily point to who is the most badass female character in this series. I, I'll just say, is there a buffet line? <laughs> because I love them all, man. They're great. 
Like Cara Dune has those forty-inch pythons and shit on her. Yeah, oh, she goes oh, down. I've liked her since Deadpool. <laughs> well, and and another thing to kind of go on a tangent. You know, a number of us here on the call we're we're comics, and so we know when we write something we have to get to the point. And the dialogue in Mandalorian really fills in so many pieces because when Cara Dune, I think Mumsley, you touched on it for a moment there. When Cara Dune was staring down the guy who had the um, genetic engineer and he was like taunting her with what happened to um, her planet. I was like, that just filled in so many, like the storyline just felt so more three-dimensional to me with that one little in, uh, exchange between this schmuck and Cara Dune. And I feel like throughout the whole series, there's been these things where we just get a much clearer picture of the Star Wars universe um, due to the writing. Um, it's funny though, because I found I almost found that little scene was so quick that I was having trouble following what had happened. I don't know why. I mean, it's it was one of those. All right, I guess I need to watch this scene again because. But, you know, we want to get to the end, so I'll have to do it another time. Yeah, totally. So I didn't really have a question. That was my commentary on the question originally was, who was the who was your favorite ass kicking female in the series? Um, but you do I, have a follow up to it, though. Does how how easily Costco Reeves manhandles Boba Fett in your mind? Does that either build up how badass she is, too, or does it diminish the Boba Fett, I mean, they come to a draw. Like, like, oh man, Boba Fett has been beating ass forever, and he almost gets figuratively owned. Like, does that diminish Bo Boba Fett as like a warrior or anything, or is it just that? Like, what does everyone kind of think of that? <laughs> I mean, like, you have to understand, like, Boba Fett's kind of old, right? Yeah. And then, younger like, than Bo Katan. But he was naturally aged. He wasn't like the rest of the clones where he was like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was a clone age, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so he's naturally aging. And you got to think like Bubba Fett is middle-aged at this point. Like he's 50, yeah. 45, 50, 60. And he almost died and he'd been living without his armor for a long time. All, all excellent points. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, yo, this dude, like, he, he he doesn't have it right, but he's still well trained as a fighter. But he's not a Mandalore either. Yeah. So so to me, I feel like he loses points on all those in life. Of course, she's young, she's spry, like her back doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's not rubbing like solves on her hands or like you know her bowels still. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm just, you know, so 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 of course she's gonna like handle him, but yeah. also feel like and also that might be some sexual tension too. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. You, you know what I'm saying? He might that rope. Oh, uh, what's cracking? Because he can't, he can't fuck with his employee, though. Know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If he's gonna mess with somebody, if there was somebody available for Bubba Fett to kind of be like, "Hey, yo, what's cracking?" It always starts off with a little bit of like, "I hate your guts." You know what I mean? So, 
You gotta build that tension up. You gotta build it up. You gotta be like, yo, they should never get together, but they <laughs> So have we seen the Mandalore world before? I, I haven't watched Rebels and I haven't watched uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's in the plot line of both Rebels and um, Clone Wars. Oh, okay. So this will be the first live action, though, that we'll probably see of Mandalore. Yeah, I think so. I gotta yeah. watch Rebels. I haven't seen all of it. All right, do you do any of you guys have uh, any ingredients that you'd like to see? I think we already kind of touched on this in the beginning, but for the book of Boba Fett, what are you looking for, if anything? Yo, I, I feel very vague on that. Like, I don't know where they could go with it, to be honest with you. Like, there's so much that they did with the Mandalorian in general, developing all of the characters and stuff for the Mandalorian. It's almost in the same base <laughs> to me when it, when they first brought it up. Like, I just don't know where they could take that arc or that storyline. What does it lead up to? Where is, what's the point really? Like, I don't get it unless they do like the backstory to how he got to where he is today, you know what I mean? That would make yeah. sense. That would be I, cool. I have I have an idea, and it was uh, Boba Fett is uh, getting revenge on all of the other bounty hunters that were hired to track down Solo, uh, oh. and so he's like he's gonna like hunt down Bosk, he's gonna hunt down Dengar, he's gonna hunt down IG eighty eight, he's gonna mm -hmm. hunt down like all the people that betrayed him, and uh, I, I and like look if we're gonna do like this whole thing of Oh look, this character that you thought is dead is actually alive. Then how about it turns out that Mace Windu survived yes. his encounter with Palpatine and Anakin Skywalker, and then have Boba Fett hunt down and kill the man who killed his father. He's All supposed to come back in the. They, they're writing it that he comes back. Uh, season four, they're supposed to touch on Boba Fett and Mandalore. Um, Mace Windu finally coming back, either at odds or. They don't know where they're going to go with it, but there's supposed to be a confrontation. It's a uh... real, real talk. Because I would love to see Samuel L. Jackson back in. Yeah, they're doing a three part. Um, they're going to do a, they're going to focus, they're going to do three things. Focus on, they're going to touch on when he was younger, a Padawan, and then kind of pre uh, clones. And then they're going to touch on how he survived because he was able to. And then he's supposed to end up having a confrontation with, uh, with Boba Fett at some point and they're they're writing it in and you'll see it in season four is what uh, the the yeah but how does Mace Windu sit out all of the all of the the rebels and all like how does he sit it out like I don't know if you're be, Mace Windu how do you sit it out dude it could be that's why maybe he's trying to take over Jabba's palace because Jabba knows knew everything about the the underworld and all the crime crime syndicates so maybe that's his way of being like, all right, psh, doing what you're saying. This is my connection to that. I took over Java. Huh. Now I can find everyone and be all gangster about it and just go and shoot him down. Yeah. Like, Wait, so how, how did Boba Fett get screwed over by the other bounty hunters? That I, I didn't, I don't remember that part. I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they left him for dead in the Snarlack pit. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah. you know. All right. Well, he got thrown in the Snarlack pit, like by Han Solo. No, Han Solo was blind, and he turned around and turned on his jetpack. Yeah, yeah. Boba Fett. Into he Jar Jar where? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was okay. I was trying to figure out, wait, where was the betrayal? And it was just not getting him out of there. Well, like there was also like, I mean, in Shadows of the Empire, it was also shown that like after uh, 
uh, Boba Fett had Han Solo and Kryptonite. The other bounty hunters were trying to intercept him and steal his bounty and deliver uh, it to Jabba beforehand because uh, there is no honor in bounty hunters. Doesn't seem to be much of a code. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I bet Mando is going to use the dark saber and he's going to unite um, the traditional Mandalores and his fringe cult and uh, unite them under uh, one unified uh, Mandalore empire and, and reestablish dominance throughout the galaxy mm. and set it up for another Jedi Mandalorian war. That would be tight. A little fun, little fun tidbit um, in Tales of the Bounty Hunter, IG-88 actually finds a way to stream his consciousness into that second Death Star in, a, uh, in, in a Return of the Jedi. So IG-88's actually dead because when the that second laser hits and blows up the second Death Star, that's actually ID, IG-88 that it hits because he's like, wait a minute. He's like thinking, uh-oh, what I just do? And before he can transfer his consciousness or his programming all the, out of that core, it hits him and then it just ends the chapter right there of like, oh, IG-88 just got killed. But that's the only one, but the rest of them are probably are still around. Sengar nice. originally nursed Boba Fett back to health when he escaped the Snarlock pit after using a thermal detonator, but who knows, man. And Dengar was such a lame bounty hunter, just a dude wrapped up in bandages. Bosk was cool. I just like yeah. to see Boba Fett and Bosk go at it. Maybe yeah. something with like, you know, he takes on like, a, what is it, the, the Black Sun, you know? Isn't that, that's another uh, uh, gang in uh, Star Wars. So maybe that. Or if uh, Jabba's Jabba the Hutt's son is still in continuity based on the Clone Wars movie, mm -hmm. then uh, maybe they could have Jabba's son and his criminal empire kind of vying for position against Boba Fett or something. I don't, there's a lot of ways to play it, but it's very exciting. Yeah. I, I was surprised that they never replaced the monster under that grating at the Jabba the Hutt's Oh, place. I kept saying, don't step on that cage. Don't Dude, step on that cage. Rancors are an endangered species. Uh, <laughs> in, in fact, uh, Luke Skywalker is no better than the owner of Jimmy John's killing an elephant. <laughs> All right, like, normally, rancors are very peaceful creatures, but that poor beast had been starved and, and prodded daily. And uh, honestly, like if a, if, a, if a caged dog bites you, are you going to kill the dog? Well, yes, because that's the society we live in. But come on, it's the owner that was really bad. Yeah, all he fed, all he fed him was just skinny-ass Twi'leks. Well, you know what would be funny is if, like, they go to a planet where, like, they see lot rancors in the wild and they're just, like, these, like, chubby little, like, soft creatures. But, like, when they're in captivity, they're, like, <laughs> But, like, in the real, like, if they're just, like, out in the wild, they're all, like, smooth and, and large like a whale. But, like, it's, like, yeah. when they're in captivity, they get all, like, <laughs> I like that line of reasoning, though. Yeah. Cool. So we got two more questions, guys. And this will, uh, this will... Take I guess this, they kind of go together if they're the ones I think you're hitting. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Um, I, so okay. I'll um, I'll kind of segue this one. Okay. Um, you you probably saw her well up a little bit ago because we played the episode at least once while we're watching, and um, there was, I, I, I'll I'll pour my heart out first on it. Um, don't start <laughs> it again. We don't want to see that one. <laughs> Only the second time that I've seen that scene too. But um, I if you were not like. I'll admit it, like, I don't even know why it gripped me so much, but the thought of seeing Luke, just, I felt the tears, and I'm like, 
did did you cry and if so how much because like i don't even care like her and i were both like just in tears between (laughs) between luke and between dinjar and taking the helmet off and the look and the like we were just like (gasps) it just like ripped us apart but it was happy and sad and i kind of want to know like you're in a comfortable space did 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 you do the same because i lost it and we're like no so (laughs) i i didn't get overly emotional i thought that this was the appropriate time for him to take the mask off um and then of course when the little grogu was like looking at him it was adorable it was cute but i think short of either him or grogu dying which i thought was a possibility i wouldn't have been that upset by this ending but also, I'm not a sentimental guy most of the time, too. So I think I think only a few movies have gotten me in my lifetime where they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, it really uh, hit me. So, yeah. Yeah, I was more in awe. I was like, no way. No, yeah, no. that's what I was. Uh, like my well, my kids somehow... I, one of you mentioned it earlier, but my kids, within moments of seeing an X-Wing fighter, were going, Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker? And I go, Luke's... No. And then it was Luke Skywalker. So I guess I was kind of expecting that when they called it. Well, it was the it was the X-Wing fighter. And then when you saw the hand in the glove... Yes. Well, once I saw the hand, it was like, oh, of course. Yeah. But, and the green yeah. lightsaber. Yeah, green. That's I, another... The iconic, the, the way the handle was like kind of thick and then it gets thin and then it it bridges out and then the blade comes out very iconic otherwise the blue one is the one that's like a straight his dad's one is just like a straight cylinder and then it's kind of like angled at the side Mm. i love the way they had cara dune's character downplay luke's arrival like Mm. oh one x-wing we're rescued like it was just a sarcastic (laughs) little little jab Uh, like if you only knew what was coming through those doors i think think our character legit wasn't supposed to know yeah i also like that uh at no point luke skywalker was like hey didn't i didn't didn't you fall into a a snarlack pit and 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 get eaten dude what are you doing here oh that's a good point yeah. Like, hey, dude, but, wait a minute. Wait, where, where, where would he have seen Boba Fett though? Because Boba Fett wasn't on the ship, right? Yeah, he was. Oh wait, no, Boba Fett was. He took off in in his spaceship, right? Wait, didn't he? I think. Oh, doggy. No, no, yeah, he was, was never on the ship by that point. Oh. Yeah, he was the he was he the um lore of the, of the Tie Fighters, and then he jammed. Oh, yeah, dang. he bounced. Yeah. Um. Okay. See y'all later. Yeah. Okay. Last question, guys. But each person here has to answer this question. Most memorable scene in the series. Let's start with you, Ed. Oh. Um, push it back. <laughs> most memorable scene. Um, you know what? It could be from season one or two. Because I think mine is from season. I, I don't know. I, it can go up season one had a memorable for me and then also season two yeah i'm much more into the just the whole story arc so that's why yeah. i have trouble thinking of a, a particular scene so why don't you come back to me okay I'll, I'll go and then you guys can um jump in whenever you want to so for me it actually was a season one i didn't even put two and two together when moff gideon came out of his crash tie fighter with the dark saber 
I didn't even realize that was the dark saber. But now looking back on retrospect, that was probably one of the more memorable ones because I was like, wait, that's a lightsaber. So is this guy a Jedi? Is he an inquisitor? Is he a Sith? What's going on? And then the other scene, I guess I'll do two. And then in this season, I just really liked in uh, the episode, The Siege, where there was a really badass speeder bike chase. For some reason, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with those speeder bikes. And uh, I think they did that that chase scene. Um, I think my third grade self would have really have loved that scene. Yeah. I, I loved it when like it was like the, they got on the speeder bike and it showed them go off the building oh, and all the way down. That was so much fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was so much fun. Yeah. Ezra, you want to jump in? I yeah, I I I've got um well I think that um well gosh, what's what's my favorite scene? Or, or at least at least moment standing out is um I'm just such a sucker. I, even though I don't watch F is for family, I just I love Bill Burr so much. And it's it's kind of like a larger encompassing of um not just uh his character it, it, outside peeling back the curtain, Bill Burr spent like a lot of time. He spent like at least a couple moments in his bits here and there just being you know, like man these star wars geeks and just like totally trashes them yeah. and then he's had to own up to it since because they're like hey dude you're like one of the everyone's favorite characters now in this thing and so yeah. okay and but the redemption of for, from from uh the first season where i'm like oh, please give us more of them and then how much he meant to I mean, even though he's not in that last episode, they, they couldn't have gotten there without the plans <coughs> or without the, the, the location, uh, the, the scene playing out where he where he, he shoots his old uh, general in the, in the face, like every, every little bit of lit of kind of kind of picking it dim, like, hey, you know, you're gonna have to make a choice, all these things he foreshadows, so many things that he does, and then that last bit of redemption of hitting the last bit of redonium to, to blow up the ba to blow up the base they let him go everything that followed uh M migs mayfeld was just i that that yeah. I, I, I i love it nice what, what I, is um i'll shoot you well i i guess i could we're kind of doing one from each season um my favorite season one scene has got to be probably ig11 sacrificing himself so that they can escape mm. because it was a very you, you don't want to get emotionally attached to a character especially one that's not alive but the fact that they they made a droid redeemable not only to din's character but in the series um I, I like that they went that direction with it, although it would probably have been cool mm -hmm. to have the nurse droid, you know, follow them around for at least a few more chapters before they killed him off. But it was, it was very, it was gut wrenching, but it was also a very heartfelt moment, kind of like, you know, the season finale this time. But, um, and even though it wasn't, it wasn't a good moment for most people to see the Razor Crest obliterated. Oh, <laughs> I like to, 
I liked was, when uh, mm. when Din was shifting through all the rubble and he found the shifter ball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulled yeah. it out and kept it because that was like a reminder of his my my little buddy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was a very like oh, very <clears throat> touching stuff. Very pogonant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like I liked all the memorable uh, all the most memorable scenes for me were probably like, all the more comedy scenes like the part where like smack baby Yoda the stormtroopers before they get owned by IG Eleven. And just like all little weird and quirks that almost take you out of the Star Wars for a second, but you're like it's Star Wars characters like doing weird funny shit. I like like that, that nice. was fun. And then like Grogu when he was like eating that frog and then he bite the kids are like eh, and then he bites half it. He's like okay maybe I shouldn't do that. And he those <laughs> weird things yeah and he's eating the eggs dude. <laughs> kind Forever of hungry. <laughs> Forever. Nice, Joe. What about you, buddy? Dang man, well there were like a, like I mean yeah I loved the uh, I loved the scene with uh, Din Jardin, Bill Burr and and the Imperial officer in the uh, cafe yeah having that conversation it was so well <laughs> shot it was such a, a a great scene in entirely and it was just, it just shows how cool and rich the Star Wars universe can be when you just have good good actors and and good dialogue and good script and it was just a, a fun scene and then it's like the the shootout afterwards and the escape. That was a, that was just so much fun, um, and and I'll say like uh, the way they handled Boba Fett, um, how they got the same actor who did Django Fett to reprise the role as as Boba Fett. Yeah, that was awesome. How they had um, how they alluded to him in in season one with uh, just him walking up, uh, and you could hear the uh, the spurs on his boots. That was great. And then at the end of uh, the first episode in season two. You see him watch the Razor Crest take off, and and you know he walks away. And yeah. if you're a fan of Star Wars, you're like, oh wait a minute, that 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 has to be Boba Fett. And then to get the confirmation later, and then to finally see Boba Fett in his Mandalorian armor, destroying stormtroopers, and and just the way it was, it was very cool Rocking to see that, especially like, yeah, <laughs> as as somebody who like became like a fan of Boba Fett in like the expanded universe, and was like, well, Boba Fett survived the Snarlack pit in the expanded universe, like did he did he survive and you know the general this is like he had to have but it, it was good to see that it was cool to see it uh and it was great to see you know that, that the same actor getting to reprise a, a similar role uh even though it's a, a different character it's very it was very cool it was just a it, it was nice to see you know it's cool nice. to see like when like prequels and yeah. you know the later stuff it, when it all gets tied together that's the important thing yeah all right, so for me, for season one, it has to be when Moth Gideon, I think, shows up and has him surrounded. But speaking of comic relief, I love that scene with the two stormtroopers where they're terrible at target practice. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <They're sitting up laughs> yeah, and then uh, for season two, it's, it's sort of like, I would have said the Rosario Dawson stuff, uh, but this last scene was just you know, really got me, and I, I loved it too much to, to ignore it. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Atu, most memorable scene. Mm. I like the opening from season one. Yeah. I like the way they established the character. So that, to me, that, like, the iconic cowboyish kind of way he walks right. in yeah, surveys the room too. there's some continuity to it throughout the, yeah the, every time he steps into a room 
that's how he looks around, you know, like, uh, you know, that's true. And whenever someone asks me about that show, that's the first thing I describe. I'm like, it's like the way, way, way he walks in and it's everything has to do with him, but he's not doing anything or saying anything. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, it's just, I, I like that kind of like iconic imagery. Like when you, when you think about the Mandalorian, like the first thing you think about is him walking into the room, like that—that's—that silhouette that that they, that he has, yeah. um, and then I think like mm, my favorite part, I guess in general, is when uh, like the like one of the times they were in the ship, and the kid is doing something. I'm a father, so like, so so the part where he's like, "Look, just chill out." Sit down over there. <laughs> like to me, to me like you know it, it's very much indicative of like he really cares yeah. about Gorgu's welfare. He really is dedicated to that. And he's just like, yo, just sit down before I smack the shit out of you. Like <laughs> that kind of tone he took with with, with Gorgu, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then the kid kind of understood and was like, all right, I'm gonna stop fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> really, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. There's all that part of it, you know. Um, there's a sweetness uh, to how the story is laid out, even though there's hella violence and all kind of crazy stuff that happens. There's a sweetness between them, and there's a bond there. And I think it does uh, show that that bond is not going to disappear. Disappear. And yeah. I think that uh, when we see future iterations of it, we're going to see how that bond carries through the next season three season four or however long they feel like doing this but like yeah they established like a really good show um from top to bottom everything is great nice cool well thank you everyone for joining ezra are we going to take us out with um some giveaway update or yeah so so like we're gonna, I'm gonna come out of the gates with it. We still have the Beskar armor Mandalorian Ooh. Black Series figure. You thought they were hard to get before? P <laughs> the, man, I'm ready to like choke bastards in the store and online and find where they live. I don't even know, but like you can win one here. Um, and we're, we're gonna extend it because I feel like a lot of people, um, being that it's Christmas, you can gift Disney Plus as a gift, I found out. So people are probably going to binge this show first. And so we're going to extend it into um, the uh, into at least probably the, the new year so that people can binge it and get a chance to catch up on these Mando casts. Um, and the way that we're going to do the entry is um, you're probably going to have to leave a, at least at least a comment in a video, one of the Mando cast videos. Um, but you can, if you comment in all eight, that's still just one entry. Uh, because but if you go to Joe's page and if you go to Autos and you, uh, Ed Rubin, uh, whoever needs uh, help support everybody that, that all did this, and Matthew McCarran's on my making sense, uh, one of his episodes that's not Mando cast, leave a comment there, Le leave the word Mando, or no, leave the word Mando cast, comment with the word Mando cast in, in a I'm making sense video. Check out Joe Gorman and Atu. They are on. Um, Joe does some great shows. He's been a great open mics. You can watch uh, me bomb on a lot of them. Um, go, go to his Facebook, his uh, Instagram. Atu's got Instagram too. Um, Mr. Atu Walker 
at uh at, at, at instagram matt matthew will leave links to it and uh, what were uh, joe uh, your your podcast also yeah my podcast uh i do it with uh two other uh new york comedians robbie goodwin and dalton pruitt we're called the loud boys and we're on uh we're on spotify we're on uh itunes we're on uh all all streaming networks sweet so, yeah i just renamed myself so check it out the rename that's where i'm at on instagram everything goes through instagram uh next week next week on december 23rd uh the caravan is going to send off the caravan lounge comedy show is going to send off uh 2020 with our bah humbug uh show so oh caravan. check it out I, i'm i'm announcing this to everyone december 23rd we're going to have pete munoz on we're going to have Clay Newman on. We're nice. going to have Valerie Vanell on. Um, maybe Chris Riggins. Maybe Sammy Obey. Um, we'll see if I can get those guys to do it. But, like, um, it should be a lot of fun. Nice. That's going to be great. Cool. Well, all right. Yeah. Oh, wait. You got more, Ezra? Were you pull more merch? Yeah, I do My goodness. One. Holy you smokes. Besides the... Uh... Ladies and gentlemen. Besides the uh, Beskar, um, you have a chance to win one more figure besides that. We also have uh, your own Cara Dune uh, figure. Um, if you need that uh, that sexual... She's thick. She thick, so if you need a sexual... <laughs> if you like a little bit of a sexual aid in the room, this works really <laughs> great. I promise. It's been tested. Um, in package, though. You have it up on the wall. So you could win a Cara Dune. You could win a. Uh, we're we're going to be doing a, doing that. So that's one more of the prizes that uh, you can get. And depending on how well shipping works out with uh, Christmas coming up, we may even be able to announce more prizes coming up. It all depends on how, well, how, how FedEx and all the shipping people work out everything. But um, this has been really fun to do with all you guys. Um, I I can't thank you all enough for. The, the year that's been um all the people at at disney plus for just making such a badass series that brought brought both mega fans people who really know what they're talking about like joe and um and like half-ass fans like matthew and i that we just barely are hanging on with our knowledge but we can all enjoy this together it's been beautiful it brought my son and i together it gave her and i's everybody we've been doing watch parties and all it's been so badass we've just been loving it and um matthew and i have a cool thing coming up starting at the end of january where we are going to be uh lampooning the internet and it'd be fun to rope joe and atu and edward edward be fun to rope you guys into some of the fun too that we have planned so this isn't the last you'll see of uh, me on Matthew's am I making sense stuff I mean Matthew's been a sure just a real friend to me letting me let doing all this just all this it's been all his work I'm just here showing my fat face but Matthew's yeah. done a lot of hard work behind the scenes I know that you Atu and Joe I know you guys know how hard it is to make things happen behind the scenes and how hard he's worked so this is all collective. Um, we we give it up for you all and everybody that's watched. Thank you guys for watching. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I want to say. Just thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, everyone. And um, I don't, I don't know what season three will bring. If there will be a season three, but I had a good time. 
So Ezra, let's go ahead and play us out, and then that'll be a wrap. Yeah. All right. Happy holidays, everyone.